Genesis House and the Friends in Recovery podcast are proud to bring you Answering the Call, the first responder podcast. Join your hosts, Mike the Podfather and Jersey Ed, as they address the real issues in health and wellness for first responders. From physical and mental health to relationships and work-life balance, we leave no stone unturned. Answering the Call, the first responder podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube, as well as iHeartRadio. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now, here are your friends in recovery answering the call. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Answering the Call, the First Responders podcast. I am the podfather, Mike Miles. What's up, you guys? It's Miss Meg joining you live today for a special co-hosting opportunity. I like this. Oh, we love love, love when you're on here. Uh, What were you up uh, a copper or a robber in your real life. So that's the question, why are you here? <laughs> I, I played the part of the robber and I have <laughs> We got three robbers on, on, on this side, one yeah. cop. So one cop, um, had, of course, from, uh, from Quarantineville again. And uh, welcome to ATC, everybody. Hey, we can't forget our producer extraordinaire. A criminal extraordinaire? Yes, that too. <laughs> yes. That's yes. right. And, and believe it or not, I was sometimes a robber myself. So, <laughs> You know, so I, I had a friend that was a corrections officer and I was in uh, Middleton as an inmate. And I, I remember uh, he was doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. And I challenged him and I said, I can't believe you're the guys holding the keys, keeping me in this place. <laughs> right, and he right. goes, the only difference between you and me is you got, you got caught. caught. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's a good philosophy because um, for 35 years, 28, I worked early nights um, in a cruiser. And uh, in neighborhoods, tough neighborhoods. And um, I think I got along with the bad guys just as much as I got along with my fellow brother and sister officers. Uh, Not real bad, mean people. No, I didn't give a fuck about them. But I certainly knew that when I stopped somebody that didn't have a license or that was driving on an expired license or unregistered car, that didn't always mean anybody was getting the ticket or going to jail. It was how your attitude was. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, stations and lives, they just didn't have the money. And uh, I can't tell you, I probably let more go than I arrested because, uh, you know, as long as they understood what we were doing, um, I was good with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, guys, the topic today I think we're going to talk about, obviously, we know which way this is going. And uh, the Podfather being retired and all these great stories that he has and, and he can help some of these young kids in, in you know, getting into the field. I really think that we should pick the Podfather's brains um, as far as getting him to tell us some of these good stories, maybe some stuff that he came up against. And I think we're going to try to do this on a monthly basis, get some stories from him to help some of these young guys. And then we can be the instigators on this side because we aren't, we aren't law enforcement. We're not first responders. We do support them, of course, but we, you know, we live that other life. And, uh, and, you know, Podfather can give us the you know, this is how it was when we did it. And this is how it was when you got and when, when we did it, you know what I mean? So, um, so police stories uh, from the field with the pod father, what do you guys think? You think it's a good show topic? I love it. Yeah. I, got a, I got a question. You want me to rip one out there? Rip it out. All right. So, yeah, so when I was out there and I was, um, you know, speeding and selling drugs and stealing shit, you know, just being a regular, uh, you know, Degenerate. Yeah, Degenerate. Just, just, just me, just being me. <laughs> just normal. Um, yeah. Um, you know, whenever I got like, whenever I got pulled over or whenever I got arrested, 
I mean, I know I was wrong, but then I would look at the cop and I'd be like, oh, he's probably just having a fucking bad day or, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, didn't get any from the wife last night, and, you know, I, or like they're just trying to meet their quota. I wasn't even really speeding. And I always had this idea that like I wasn't I wasn't totally wrong. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm just curious, like how often does your or did your day or your mood or the other things that were going on in your life play into how you approached a, a situation with a criminal? You know? Well, you guys know me. You've known me for a couple of years. Ed's known me for m- more. And I mean, I'm a moody person. I'm not, I grew up with three sisters and unfortunately I am not discriminating against women here, but I, I, I'm a very moody guy, but I don't think that my moods, it was how you treated me. In other words, if you, if you, you didn't have to kiss my ass, but if you were honest with me, no matter what you were doing, you had, you had a good opportunity of walking away from, you know, just a conversation. Mm-hmm. But if you lied, if you denied, you know, if I saw you go through a red light and I stopped you for that, I saw it. It wasn't a yellow light. It was red. Because if you went through a yellow light, I wouldn't be stopping you because I go through yellow lights. Right. If you went through a red and yellow light, I wouldn't be stopping you. So it was like the way you answered my questions or the way you came forth to me. I, back in the day, we used to have to serve warrants in hand. If I had a warrant for your arrest, I had to bring it to you. I had to see you face to face. I couldn't leave it with your mother or your father or your brother. If you weren't home, you weren't home. I'd have to write on the jacket, not home. Um, But if you were there face to face, there was plenty of times when you'd have a good reason why there was a warrant for you. And I'd say, okay, well, you got to go to court. Don't tell anyone I was here. And you go to court the next day and get it squared away. Knowing that if you didn't go the next day, I'm going to have that warrant the next night and I can find you and I gave you a chance. So usually the second time didn't go the same way as the first time. Right. I let you go. So so it was a clean slate. So like if you, if, if you know, regardless of what you were going through that day, you gave everybody a clean slate. That was me. Of, but yeah. I work with guys that have a fight with their wife. And say, I'm in no mood for this fucking asshole. Boom. Right. You know, get locked up. I'd be like, what? I'm the guy with the bleeding heart going, whoa, hold time out. You know? Yeah. Because I grew up in a rough neighborhood. I joined the army. I'd been arrested three times before I joined the army. I joined the army at 18. I wasn't a, I wasn't your uh, run of the mill great kid. You know, mm. I did some, I broke into cars and stole cars and, uh, Broke into abandoned houses and uh, got caught get caught in a fight up at Hampton Beach, mm-hmm. so in New Hampshire. So I mean, I you know I've been arrested. It wasn't like I, I didn't know what that was about, um, and they still hired me. So I th- I said to myself I couldn't be that bad. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> well, I got more questions, but I want to hear from Meg. I do. I have a question. All right, now how? Uh, so I we watch TV shows, crime shows all the time, right. and I feel like. Law enforcement officers assume people are lying when they get anxious, like a telltale thing. But anytime, even now, if I get pulled over, I start to get so anxious if I have to answer questions or do do the thing where I give my license. Do you guys just assume that we are guilty if we are nervous? (laughs) No, no, because everyone's (laughs) nervous. And what I always got a not a kick out of, but women, I don't know whether, and I the sounds I don't want to sound sexism sexist, but women certainly have more emotions um, in a traumatic, traumatic, uh, you know, endeavor, like a traffic stop, for example, you ran a stop sign, I stopped you. I've had women like crying, like they just lost two of their children or something, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, you know, right then and there, I'm like, I can't write this. I can't give this woman a ticket. She's going to have a heart attack, you know? (laughs) So I tell them right up front, listen, slow down. I'm not giving you a ticket. I'm just telling you to slow down. You went through a stop sign, kids running the streets. I try to, 
I would try to give them in a scenario that they would understand, you know. But I get nervous too. I got stopped a few weeks ago. I, I kind of started stopped at a stop sign in Lowell, where I was a cop, and I got stopped, and I was nervous. I mean, I, I was like, I know that feeling. Believe me, <laughs> it's it's a tough feeling, like especially like when we were using too, when we were drunk and oh, you know, oh my geez. god, or high. Holy cow. But um, real quick, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to get into more stories. Um, I'm going to come back with a podcast pick of the week. Ooh, nice. And uh, we're going to we're going to get into a little bit more of our stories and our feelings. And maybe Podfather can give us some of his stories as far as uh, breaking the law on his right. end. Hey, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Statue of limitations is up. Uh, this is the Podfather answering the call. First Responders podcast. We'll be right back. Since 1992, Genesis House has been helping real people heal from addiction on their private recovery campus in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. Their family-owned program is accredited by the Joint Commission and offers detox and dual diagnosis treatment in a comfortable and confidential setting. At Genesis House, they focus on treating the underlying causes of addiction. Their comprehensive approach includes psychiatric care, individual and small group therapy, trauma healing techniques, and holistic care including yoga, massage, and animal-assisted therapy. After treatment, their clients enjoy the lifelong support of a nationwide network of Genesis House alumni. Call Genesis House today at 1-800-737-0933 to speak with someone who understands. Visit them on the web at www.genesishouse.net. It's time to start your journey to a long and successful recovery. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Answering the call. The First Responders Podcast. I am the podfather, Mike Miles, and I'm here with... What's up, guys? Miss Meg joining you this uh, we week. Love Meg. We is... love Miss Meg on ATC. She might be a regular. What, can we get? Can I beg you to be a regular with us, Miss Meg? We're going to have to start paying her because she's spending <laughs> an awful right. lot of time with it's, us. Uh, it's, uh, I'm Jersey Head, always begging, begging Miss Meg to stay on with us. So <laughs> thanks, Miss Meg. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing your, your, your wealth of knowledge for the First Responder community. So, Charming um, personality. Absolutely. I got a, uh, uh, a podcast pick of the week. Give me a drum roll, please. Thank you, sweets. <laughs> this one's for you, Podfather. You ready for this one? This I'm ready. One Let me write this down. Specifically for you. Making podcasts great again. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Host J.L. Calvin. Yes. He imitates, doesn't he imitate Trump? He does. It's <laughs> such a great podcast. I'm addicted to this podcast. So uh, he does week, a good Obama, too. He does. He's this guy's really good. Each week, President Trump, J.L. Calvin and his producer, <laughs> tech staff, tech staff, Jay Nog, uh, goes through issues affecting the country, uh, plays pop culture games and interviews with guests. You can find making um, podcasts great, making podcasts great again anywhere you get your podcast from. It is so funny. They, they like talk about like the updated stuff. And, and this guy sounds exactly like Trump and oh, identical. Uh, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Doesn't I can't matter. Speak, it doesn't matter. I don't know what side of the aisle they're on, oh, but good. it is funny as shit, man. So listen to making podcasts great again. You'll, you'll laugh no matter, no matter what you're, uh, no matter what, where, where you're at. So. Jersey Ed, maybe you can get him to come on our podcast. That would be great. Oh, my yeah. God. That would be you know? a great idea. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. I'll, I'll, I'll email him. So I just subscribed. But, I can't wait to read this. I can't wait to listen. <laughs> Look at the love. Oh, no, I know. Awesome. I know. Hey, if, you if you love the president, it's hilarious. If you hate him, it's hilarious. You can't, you can't yeah. help but like it, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> they go they go both ways on it. It's, oh, so, so funny. funny. So, so but yeah, I figured you like that one, Podfather. Yeah, I do. That's a good one. So, so we're back uh, with uh, police stories from the field with the Podfather. He's yes. uh, he's he's revealing some of his secrets, good and bad, I guess. Yeah, good and bad. We're so I'll tell you. Let me tell you a good one. All right. Go ahead. Well, you'll think it's a good one. This is a bad one, but it's a good one. <laughs> so I was in the height of my cocaine career. And um, I lived in a museum downtown Lowell. It's called the Whistler House. James McNeil Whistler. James McNeil Whistler was a, an artist. He, he did the portrait. Um, I think it's called Gray and White, but most people know, know it as Whistler's mother. It's, it's a woman in a rocking chair or a chair. And um, anyway, he was born in Lowell. His father, George Washington Whistler, was an engineer who was brought over from Africa to help build the canals in the 1830s. In Lowell, Massachusetts, the the uh, canals helped turn the turbines, made Lowell the biggest textile producer in the world at one time. So I lived in this museum. I took care of it. I got addicted to cocaine. I was an alcoholic. I was an, a drug addict, a cocaine addict. But I was also a father and a cop, and I did other things, you know. But one night I'm walking the beat, and I really, in the beginning, I didn't touch drugs on duty. I, I I might have drank. I definitely drank on duty, but I didn't. I just was too afraid if I ever get shot or taken to the hospital, they'd find it in my system. But one day, beautiful summer night, I'm walking a beat. I go to this bar. It's called the Press Club, and there's two entrances. There's an entrance on Middle Street, and there's an entrance on Merrimack Street. So it's like a, a corner, corner entrance. So I walk in the entrance on Merrimack Street, and as soon as I get in the door, there's a there's a payphone. The receiver's hanging down. On top of the payphone, which is about chest high, is a seal paper full of cocaine, wide open. Obviously, somebody's on the phone, ready to do a line, dropped the phone, went to get somebody or whatever. I look left. I look right. No one's around. I reach into my pocket. I pull out my trusty straw, and I go over, <laughs> and I snort about a half a gram of cocaine. I lick the paper, and I put it back, and I go out the door. Now I'm outside. I go to the next door. I walk in. There's a bathroom. I go in to check my look because I had a pretty thick mustache then, see if there's any powder there. And now I'm buzzing. Everyone at the bar, hey, Mike, hey, I'm saying hi, slapping, grabbing, you know, having a good time. And as I walk out the door where I had come in in the beginning, there's this petite little blonde girl, so bewildered. She's got the phone. She's looking left. She's got the paper upside down. She has no idea. Now she sees a cop. Little does oh, she know. Shit. And I say, how's it going? <laughs> she hides the paper. She said, all right. I go, all right. Well, you have a good night. Said, Thank you. You know, <laughs> I know that's a really piss ass story. But to me, I like that. I got to be honest. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> well, it shows that you're real. You know, you're a human being, you know, and, and I think out, you know, out there, we, you're susceptible to shit like that. You're not you're just because you're a cop doesn't mean you're perfect. Just, you know, and anybody out there you know and we're not we're not advocating for anybody to do that but no, you know but when i first came on the job in 1980 april 1980 i started my first night as a cop i'd gone to the academy and i worked with all these old timers they were mostly korean some world war ii mostly korean mostly vietnam vets and all these guys i'd say 80 percent it was 135 80 percent were heavy hitters and what i mean by that is they drank every night and they drank for nothing and they ate for nothing and they got coffee for nothing and they got cigarettes for nothing. When I say for nothing, I mean, we went to stores and people would give you things. Banks would give you envelopes at Christmas time. You can never do that today. Restaurants would never charge you. 
coffee shops wouldn't. Convenience stores would give you free cigarettes. But liquor stores would give you whatever you wanted. Any bar you went in in uniform, you could drink. You weren't supposed to. But exactly. And this is how it was. And if you didn't want to drink as a young 23-year-old cop right out of the army, I didn't want to be drinking at 5 o'clock at night. Are you kidding me? I'll drink at 1. But at 5 o'clock, if you went with some of these cops and you went to a bar to check on it or say hi or play, pay their pool or whatever, you know, it was not uncommon to see a cop in uniform playing pinball with a rum and coke, full uniform at six o'clock at night with a, with a full bar, you know, and that's how the culture was when I first came on. So I'm not blaming it, but I'm just saying it sure didn't help, <laughs> you know. Well, I got, I got a question for you real quick. Um, you're kind of based on what you're saying right now. I mean, you're talking about being a cop and, and doing some stuff. And, yeah. you know, one of the things that I've heard a lot is that, you know, a cop is always a cop and they don't believe that people can change. I hear it all the time. You know, that they, if, they, if they've arrested people before, if they've seen you doing bad things, they think that's just who you are and you'll always be that person, even if, the, even if you've tried to change your life. And right, so, right. you know, you now on the other side of this clearly have another perspective. Like you can look back and be like, damn. You know, clearly people can change. Absolutely. But, you know, was that a common theme when you were an officer? Like, did, did you just kind of, or you or other people just look at them and be like, right. they're, they're never going to change? Yeah, there, there were there were families that were generational, just assholes, or what, what they would be, you know, cops would call them scumbags, dirtbags, whatever. And I can say that the, I know some people that would, ne like we all do, we know some people that are, I think the advantage of being a police officer on patrol you know, five nights a week, eight hours a night, you get to meet hundreds of people, you get to go into people's homes multiple times, multiple charges, domestics, fights, larcenies, car breaks, house breaks, you know, so you would see the multiple characters. Um, I believe I've let many people that have committed crimes, you know, I, I, I was very fair. I really believe I was. And I think it paid off because in my recovery, when I started going to the halls and stuff, I did it in Lowell. You know, I didn't worry as much as I thought I should have been worried about people attacking me or jumping me or beating me with a bat or something, because I was very fair. But I did, and I'm not saying, I'm not patting myself on the back. I made a lot of mistakes, but I do know cops that weren't fair. I saw things, I saw people take beatings that you'd never get away with today, you know? Um, you know, just because the cop didn't like the person or because they had to go back a second time to tell someone to turn their stereo. I actually was on a call one night 11 o'clock at night <laughs> when, when, when the, the guy I was with was a lawyer. He's a lawyer today. He, um, he told the, the people, if we come back here, again, that fucking stereo is going out the window. Yeah, that's a figure of speech. Well, we're in different cruises. 20 minutes later, we get a call back, loud stereo again. And he's mumbling all the way up the stairs. And I'm following. It's just he and I. There's two men. And he walked on the door. They opened the door. You know, Eric Clapton's guitars wailing. Next thing I heard, everything unplugged, crash. As I'm talking to someone, he threw the receiver, the Pioneer receiver, right through the window <laughs> with the big speakers right behind it. And he says, let's go. He goes, now play that, motherfucker. And out we went. And that's a true story. And, I mean, that's just a mild story. <laughs> and, you know, that's just how things were. Those people didn't call and complain. They didn't go to the station and complain. Yeah, that was just the way it was, you know. It's a different world now. You do that now, you make yeah. the, yeah. the globe. The let me just say this. I, I've seen back in the day, we didn't have masks or gloves. I've given mouth to mouth to total strangers, 
I had to pop the false teeth out of a guy at a ball game that was watching his grandson pitch. He died. He, he ended up be, never coming back, but he died dead away. We're sitting in our cruiser watching the game, Little League game. I mean, um, Babe Ruth game. People call us over. I get there first, so I got to do the mouth. And my partner did the chest compressions. I've seen cops jump in the river after people risk their lives in fires. I've gone into fires. I've gotten awards, believe it or not. I'm not like to brag. I have a lot of awards. But for, for doing heroic things. Well, people say, well, that's what you get paid for. Well, you get paid to be sensible, too. But I've worked with some cops that were just real heroes. I don't like everyone being a hero because they put a sign up in the yard, you know, that said, yo, you're a hero. You're doing your job. And, 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 but I think real heroes are people that don't make it through whatever situation they're going through. However, the term hero is using, used loosely, I think. But I've seen real heroic acts and uh, brave, brave acts. And just look at 9-11. You know, those yeah. cops and firemen going into those buildings, they knew they weren't coming out, believe me. Yeah. They weren't going in there with any Pollyanna thought of coming out. So, you know, I'm not trying to beseech or trying to diminish the role as a police officer. I made a lot of mistakes. I did a lot of good, too. But uh, I'd be more than glad to do this again sometime. Hope we can. We will, absolutely. This is a great show, guys. <laughs> Ms. Meg, any closing thoughts on that before we go? I, I don't know. I think Podfather said it all. I, I think the beauty in all of this is being able to speak this stuff and put a voice to it and, you know, let this, I mean, step out of the closet, right? Like me as a, about to be a psychologist, people do say, why would Absolutely. you talk about these things? And it's like, why would I not? So Good I think the power in your story, Podfather, of being able to say like, this is where I was, this is what I did and I can talk about it. And guess what? I still did a lot of really good things. You can't forget about that. That's, That's the right. important part. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And how about you, Sweets? Why don't you finish it up here? I don't know what that noise was, but... Um, <laughs> my dog shaking. Was, was, that, oh. a was, that, a, was that a crack pipe? Or yeah. Freak me out then. Show us how the rest is, goes down there, uh, Podfather. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, I like the idea of, uh, you know, being able to talk about first responders as people. We do it every, every episode, no matter who the guest is or whatever, we, you know, we, we all break this down to the fact that first responders are people, you know, they have uh, good days, they have bad days, they have their own personal experiences. And a hero is not defined by the fact that you can, you know, go through all that stuff without having incident. It's that you can, you know, you can face adversity, you can step up to the plate, you can go above and beyond. But I love hearing the, the humanization of a first responder. And I think our listeners do too, is that these are all people, they're all going through tough stuff. All the nurses out there right now that are doing what they have to do, all the police officers, the firemen, the EMTs, everybody that's facing this uh, this pandemic right now, you know, they're doing the best they can, but they're people. They go home, they cry, they go home and deal with these things the best way they can. They're not robots, they're humans. And listening to the Podfather talk about his um, human side of his experiences is compelling. And um, I'm looking forward to next month when we do this again and humanize the first responders out there by hearing more of the Podfather stories. Super. Absolutely. Yeah, is absolutely. Jim Reese, is Dr. James Reese, who was the uh, one of the original profilers from the FBI down in Quantico, Virginia, would say, EMS people are just mirror images of society. And you know what? That's a fact, mm -hmm. you know. So, hey, entering the call, the First Responders podcast. I want to thank everybody. Good job today, Podfather. Be safe out there. <laughs> stay sober awesome uh, no, stay safe everybody stay so safe man. I, was, I was waiting for that stay safe stay safe everybody that concludes this episode of answering the call the first responder podcast 
Thanks to Genesis House for sponsoring the show and supporting first responders who are struggling with addiction and mental health. Follow us on Facebook for past shows and updates. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, email us at help at friendsandrecoverypodcast.com.